This week, we splash down in Gainesville, Florida with Ryan Lochte. The 12-time Olympic medalist sets his sights on the 2021 Games in Tokyo. I'm f***ing ready. My goal is to make my fifth Olympics and to get another medal. Discusses how he's still battling back from two suspensions that threatened to end his career. After that second ban, I was like, maybe I should just stop. And reveals a difficult issue he grapples with away from the pool. I haven't really talked about this. All that's coming up next right here on the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast. I wanted to start by running through some of your uh, injuries. I think it was 2007, uh, falling off your scooter and like uh, flying 50 feet. It wasn't my scooter, it was a skateboard. And I told my coach I was walking my dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still don't know if he knows the real story, but uh, I was like, yeah, walking my dog. And he's like, I don't buy that crap. <laughs> um, oh, and he's like the only person in the world that you're terrified of, right? I'm still terrified of him. Like, I don't, there's just something about him that scares the out of me. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I was skateboarding um, and I fell and I went flying and I fractured my foot uh, right before I had to go to Worlds. For just name-wise, it goes to the Olympics, Worlds, Pan Packs, and it's like the best of the best are going to be there. Yeah. Um, but my my foot was healing up, um, leading up right before, like a week before I actually raced. Um, but then I jumped in the pool going to warm up at the swim meet, um, and I hit the bottom of the uh, the pool, and I refractured it. So I swam with a fractured foot at Worlds, but I mean, that was my first time I broke a world record. How does that work? I don't know, it was, I was just in a lot of pain. <laughs> How about brushing your teeth with tap water in China? Oh gosh, I was, uh, I was, you could definitely say I was on the toilet for a very long time after that. Um, yeah, I was like, how could tap water really do anything? I'm just brushing my teeth, I'm not swallowing anything, like I'm just brushing my teeth. Hours, days later, um, I was just sick to my stomach, throwing up out of both ends. <laughs> and it was just, it was just bad. I was up on IVs with the doctors. Uh, I was just sick, bed rest, and yeah. Understand it helped the bottom line of McDonald's though. Yeah, I ate McDonald's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But it was like the only food that like I could trust it was McDonald's that I knew. So what would you eat? I mean, you name it. A couple Big Macs, maybe a 12-piece nuggets, a couple cheeseburgers and with a shake and some fries. What about breakfast? Egg McMuffin, a couple Egg McMuffins and hash browns. How much weight did you put on during the 08 games because of eating McDonald's so much? <laughs> I don't think I gained that much weight. I think it was like maybe like four or five pounds. After the 09 Worlds in Rome, you're back home and you go uh, break dancing in Gainesville. Yes, um, I was break dancing in my living room. I was, I was watching as like America's Best Dance Crew or something on TV. I was like, man, I could do that. Watch. <laughs> Obviously not because one foot, like my foot went that way, my knee went that way. I heard a big pop and I tore my meniscus. What was the recovery? Oh, the I think the recovery was really bad for my meniscus just because I I didn't listen to the doctors. Like I was like itching to get back in the water. Like I was like 
I can walk now, I can get back in. I can go full throttle. Uh, a, a fan interaction led to a torn MCL and a sprained ACL? Yes. Um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was during um, college football season, and we went to Jacksonville, which it's University of Georgia versus University of Florida football. And we always go there to like party, and we were walking out of the hotel room over by the landing, and I just remember walking and hearing like, Ryan! And like, as soon as I turned around, it was this big, big-sized woman. Um, and she was in mid-air, like running at me, mid-air, and I grabbed, like I caught her, like I grabbed her like this, and her momentum knocked me down on the ground, and my knee hit the corner of the sidewalk and I completely tore my MCL and sprained my ACL. I was like, hey, next time, just tap me on my shoulder. I'll still take a picture, like, and she was crying. She's like, I can't believe it's you. Oh my God, oh my God, this is a dream come true. And I took the picture and she went her several way and I went back um, and I was just on, on it the rest of the, the day, just walking around and like limping. And then I got back to my hotel room that night and my knee was like a basketball. I was oh like, crap. but I didn't get surgery. They said, you have to get surgery. I was like, no, I'm not going to. Cause I know when I tore my meniscus, it was so long. This is worse. Like I can't do it. And somehow I just did rehab day in, day out. And I was back in the water training within like four or five weeks. The people were like, you should be in like a science book because this is unheard of. Last one, uh, getting out of bed too quickly that led to a concussion. Oh, yes. Um, you know, I guess it's my fault because I don't stay hydrated. But how, you know, how do you not stay hydrated when you're an Olympic athlete? I hate drinking water. I hate it. I don't know why. I just don't like, I need a taste. I need something. So well, you can drink <laughs> other stuff besides water that would hydrate you. I know, but I just... At that time, I didn't because okay. as soon as I got out, I got out too fast, got up too fast, and I started getting dizzy, and I, like, blacked out, and I went face first on the ground. It was just out cold. And you woke up with a concussion. I, yeah. I was just like, what just happened? My face was all bleeding. I'm just like, what? What's going on? Do you now hydrate? I mean, I, I could do better. All right. <laughs> <laughs> The Tokyo Olympics, obviously now uh, postponed. Hopefully it happens in 2021. Yeah. How would you best explain the significance of those games for you? This is probably going to be my most important um, Olympic Games, if I make it. I feel like I have more to prove and more things to overcome than I've ever had before. I want to prove to everyone that they're wrong. Like, I can still do it. And age is just a number. But man, every day in practice, I feel it. And uh, just been doing this for so long that, I mean, I, I feel it. It's taken a toll. Why is it the greatest pressure you've said you've ever felt? Because it's, because I'm not swimming just for myself. I'm swimming for my family and for everyone that's doubted me um, or anything. Um, and. That is why I'm still being able to compete with all these young kids right now is because I have more motivation than I ever did before. Those, those two little nuggets upstairs and my wife, like they're the ones that push me.
I said, I'm going to stop swimming when I stop having fun. And I lost that. I lost that after 2012 Olympics, um, what f how fun swimming is. I lost it for so long, and I just got it back just recently. How did you get it back? Those two nuggets. Just seeing them, seeing my son being born, like brought a whole new perspective of life to me. And I, I, I'm just happy. I'm happy right now. And I love swimming. I love to go to the pool and just get my ass whooped by my coach. I love it. And I'm looking at the positive of why the Olympics are not happening this summer. They're happening next because I get another full year of training to get even better. What are your goals for the upcoming games? No, no, no. I can't say. I never, I never tell my goals. Um, it's just something that I've always done my entire life. It's, those are my goals, and I'm going to keep them to myself and keep the rest of the world guessing, I guess. Um, but I guess one is no-brainer. I do want to make my Olympic team. I want to make my fifth Olympics. Um, I know there's only a handful of people that's been able to do that. So I definitely want to make my fifth Olympics. What was the time uh, you set in your world record? In the 200 IM? Uh-huh. 154. And what's this I, I hear about maybe getting uh, 53 or 52? Did my dad tell you this? That little sh He wasn't supposed to say anything. Um, well, I guess that's out of the bag. Damn. But I mean, yeah, I guess there's another goal. I do want to break my world record. Is that, uh, I mean, is that supposed to be confidential? Yeah, I was. <laughs> What's your level of confidence that you can do that? Really good. I, I honestly, I, I mean, it's one of my goals. And I don't stop until I reach those goals. And the, just like my mentality right now is so much better than it's ever been. And I'm seeing times that I've done in practice that I've hardly ever saw when I was back in like in my peak in like 2011, 2012. Your dad also said he's ready for it to just be over <laughs> in terms of the Olympics. Uh, uh, your thoughts on that? I'm not ready. Cause I love it. I love, I love being able to do something that no one else has ever done or being able to represent your own country, uh, to wear um, a cap with your American flag, with your name under it. Like that to me is just bad ass. Like I love that. And it doesn't get old. I don't want it to ever end because I love that feeling. Like you're representing United States of America, like at the biggest stage in sports, the Olympics, like you, that's, to me, that's everything. Why do you think he feels that way? Probably because of all like the, all the ups and downs, this big ass roller coaster ride that he's um, been, been on with me um, throughout my entire life. And he's like, he's like, I'm ready to just take a breath. <laughs> sit back, 
have a cold one on a beach and just relax and not have to worry about my son swimming or anything. <laughs> um, but he loves it too. Oh, he loves it too. Yeah. Don't, don't let him kid you. Yeah. Now that he's like kind of retired, I'm trying to get him back into the sport again and getting back on the pool deck, watching me and seeing that smile, that smirk on his face is everything to me. Why is it important to you to get him back up here more? Because he's my dad. I mean, um, besides like my wife and kids, like he's, he, he's been there. He's been there longer than anyone. And he's, he's my, biggest, uh, my biggest fan. And I wouldn't be the person I am or done what I've been able to do at the Olympics and or in swimming without him. Your dad was telling a, a funny story that's now kind of uh, famous about your early days in uh, swimming. Uh, used to have fun in the showers. Man, he told you that. Oh, uh, yes. I mean, as a little kid growing up, I, I mean, I just, I loved being in the pool. I loved uh, swimming, but like the funnest thing was me trying to get kicked out of practice every day. Because if I got kicked out of practice, that means I can go in the showers, I can clog up all the drains and make it like a big old slip and slide, put shampoo on the floor and just eat candy and slip and slide. That was, that, was my, that was my goal every day in practice, to get kicked out so I can do that. And how often did it happen? <laughs> oh, I think, I think I was up to like four times a week. Like it was almost every day or every other day I was getting kicked out. So I asked Steve this. Do you think you tried to get kicked out so much because he was your coach? Um, or do you think you would have done it regardless who the coach was? Um, I think... Cause I was, I was just like going underwater, blowing bubbles when I should be swimming laps or I was just. Because he, he'd be looking for you and didn't yeah. know where you were and you were underwater blown. Yeah. And I was just be like, or like I'd swim up next to someone and yank their leg down. And so I'd swim past them. <laughs> uh, just anything basically to try to get kicked out. What's your earliest memory in the water? Um, the one that I could really remember is I was about eight years old and it was like, I, I wanna say like a 25 like freestyle or, so, or 25 backstroke and I won. And instead of getting a ribbon, I wanted to win because if you, the winners in each heat got a little bag of candy. I'm like, what? This is awesome. I was like, I have to win. So I remember just winning and getting this bag of candy. I'm like holding it up. I'm like, yes, I did it. I did it. <laughs> I want to take you back to when you were 14 years old. That was, in a way, I think a turning point for you because you had yeah. just lost, I believe, in the Junior Olympics. You're yes. in the car driving with Drive your dad from here? the conversations, what? It, was, it wasn't much conversation. I was dead silent. I was quiet, just staring out, out, out of the window. And I remember him coming to me, um, him saying, being like, hey, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, nothing, you know, no, what, what's wrong? I lost. He's like, well, what are you gonna do about it? And then I just remember turning around to him, looking at him and being like, I'm never gonna let that happen again. Uh, it was my turning point in my swimming career. Cause after that, I said that, I, was, I wasn't trying to get kicked out of practice anymore. I was there and I was training harder, training faster. And my friend that would always beat me, for the high point, um, he never beat me again. How do you take winning or losing? 
Uh, with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, you know, my, one of my challenges that I have in swimming is I swim so many multiple events. Um, and I do that because it's so hard. Anyone can like become just a straight backstroker or a straight freestyler. It's so hard to train because you have to train for every different stroke in order to do the individual medley. And I love a challenge. So there's been times where I got last or I got beat. And then like 20 minutes later, I had another race where then I just put it behind me and then I was able to win. Um, and I've kind of done that through not just swimming, through everything. Like, you can't change the past, but you can change the present and then the future. For a lot of people, the sport's 24-7. Uh, I know at least for a long time when you were growing up, it was not the case for you, and you felt that benefited you a lot. And, yeah. you know, your dad even spoke about how uh, when he was training you, he, he was intentional in limiting the number of hours that you were in the pool, so you peaked later in, in life. Um, mm -hmm. What about now, though, in terms of kind of 24-7 commitment? It goes back to when my dad was coaching me is on the pool deck, it was always coach. Never said dad, it was always coach. Coach, coach, coach. And as soon as we left the pool deck, we never talked about swimming. We'd be at home, never talked about practice. Um, and it was my dad, I was it wasn't coach, it was my dad. And then when I get back to the pool, it's like I'm clocking in again. It's back to the, um, it's back to just training. And it, I still do it to this day, like swimming, swimming. Um, I leave swimming at the pool. And then when I get home, I'm a dad. I get to have fun. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, I love it. Growing up, uh, two older sisters, two younger brothers. Describe yeah. what life was like for you as a kid. Man, I was uh, like my sisters, like a little puppet. Like they would just, they, they'd scare the shit out of me all the time. Um, but they were always loving. Like we were always close together. Um, like if I fell down, they'd pick me up. Um, but the reason why, because they probably knocked me down. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, it was, uh, I mean, they would scare me. They would dress me up. Like I was like their little Barbie doll. I was like, what the heck is going on? But then when I had, when my younger brother was born, I was like, now I get to unleash hell on you. <laughs> um, so it was just that cycle. Um, but yeah. It was, it was fun growing up. Your parents' divorce. Describe what that period of time was like for you. Um, I mean, I was more, um, I wasn't around the house at all. I was in college. Or, no, I was here in Gainesville just training. Um, so it was, a, it was a difficult time just because, I mean, growing up, you always see two people together all the time. All you see is, well, my parents, they're happy. They love each other. Um, but, you know, that's just not the case. As you get older, you start learning, and that's, that wasn't the case. But um, a lot of things happened in my life. A lot of uh, separation through the family. Um, the kids kind of leaning to one side of the family and not the other. Um, 
and then, I don't know, people's true colors come out. And... And that meant what for you? Um... You know, it... Man, I... Haven't really talked about this. Uh, you know, it's... At one point, it was, uh, it was just like, we were all against, um, I mean, we were all against uh, someone. And then later on in life, it changed. And that was your, your presumably dad yeah. initially? And we were all against him, uh, just because everything I was getting feeding, like feeding, like all this information that I didn't know if it was true or not. And it was hard for him to tell us the truth just because he cared so much about us, and if he told us the truth on everything, why they got divorced and all this, that we would never speak to him again. But matter of fact, when I found out the truth from him, I mean, I almost got up and punched him just because I was pissed, I was, I was angry. Um, I mean, like, how could you do that? Uh, but we settled it, cleared everything out, and me and my dad are closer than we've ever been right now. And I'm happy that it happened because he's so happy right now. And Natalie, my stepmom, well, I don't even call her my stepmom anymore. I call her mom because she is my mom. What she, how she treats me, my family, is and my dad like she's the best she's the best thing that's ever happened this is something that i don't regret happened because they're happy and that's all i want how did it impact your relationship with your mom um well when it happened it was we were all on my mom's side um but then later on in life uh when I told her, um, when I told her that I was, she was going to be a grandma and I'm having a kid, um, she said some very, very hurtful things that kind of ended our relationship, me and her. What, what did she say? I mean, I don't know if I really want to put this on. She just said some things. Uh, to me and my wife, but I mean, I can get over it, but I just want an apology from her. And she said that she'll never apologize. She has nothing to say sorry for. Her. And from there on, it's I haven't spoken to her in years. And honestly, I hate to say this, I don't care. I'm happy right now with the, my family. I, my job is to protect my family. And I will do anything, no matter what, to protect my family. What's the likelihood you think it could be repaired? Knowing uh, my mom, she's stubborn as hell. She'll never apologize. So. I mean, it sounds like you're stubborn too, though, right? I am too, yeah. And that's probably where I get it from. And all I want is uh, a sincere apology to me, and she has a lot of gifts and to my wife and my kids. But I can get over it, but I know she won't. It's just her. What does Kayla say? 
she's happy right now. Like, we don't talk about it. Yeah. Because it was just so, something that happened to me and her. And, and that crushed us. And, but we moved forward and we stuck together as a family. And we have a family. And we love it. And we're happy. <laughs> Michael Phelps, another guy. Or another somebody Phelps. that you uh, <laughs> know for uh, known for a, a long time. Yeah. Um, how would you describe how competitive the two of you were with one another? I want to say because I was part of it. It's like a, a Magic Johnson and Larry Bird type rivalry. I mean, it was awesome. I had so much fun because it was Michael Phelps, the best swimmer ever. And I was in his era and I was able to beat him and he was beating me and we were just going back and forth and we respected each other so much. And I mean, he's been through a lot just like I have and he's overcome it. Um, and we talk, we still talk now that he's not swimming. What will you talk about? Um, you know, after uh, Rio and everything, I was, I was in a dark place and I was just reaching out being like, I need help. Somebody help me. And he was giving me advice. I'm like, how can you do this? Like, like after being like, have everyone hated on you, how can you get back in the water and still like train for your goal? Like, how can you do this? And he's like, you just gotta look to your family. And like him telling me like little goals. So in swimming terms, we have like, um, you take six kicks for every one stroke. Okay. So it's called a six speed kick. Um, and he was like, just try that and call me later after the month and see how you feel. So I tried it and I mean, my legs were on, like rock solid. I was hauling ass. I was like, you little sh**. He's <laughs> like, dang it. How do you know all these things? I think I like him now better than when me and him raced against each other. I mean, that kind of makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Um, not just because like he's, I'm not racing against him, is because he's, um, he's grown up a lot. He has a family now, so I, I honestly think like once you have a fa like kids of your own, like life changes. Um, and he's he here to help now. Like he wouldn't give me out pointer pointers when we were racing against each other. No, but um, yeah, he's giving out pointers. Like he wants to be a big a role model for everyone. When you guys were competing against one another, describe what those competitions were like. <laughs> uh, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna whoop you. Like, it wasn't negative. It was more like, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna have to pull everything out of you in order to beat me, because I'm not gonna go down that easy. And that's how our mentality was. I think he says this, um, Still to this day, like out of all his competitors he's ever raced against, I'm um, his hardest competitor because I never back down. I mean, that would make sense too. You're yeah. the, outside of him, you're the most accomplished swimmer ever. Yeah. And, you know, um, I mean, like those kind of things, I mean, go through one ear, out the other. But when he said that, I kind of stuck with me. I'm like, wow, that's like, am I, am I that good? Like, I don't know. It seems like you don't view yourself in the same way that 
your achievement should warrant? No, not at all. Why? Like if people like say, oh my God, you're like a superstar. You're like, you have all these gold medals, world records. I'm like, oh, I do? Oh, awesome, sweet. It's not, I'm not gonna be like, oh, check this out. Like, I'm not like that at all. If he was never a swimmer, do you think your results would be better or worse? See, I have to say yes and no, just because we pushed each other. There's been sets in practice where I'm like, you know, if Phelps did this, he'd go even faster. So I'd like push myself even harder just because I know he's out there training just as hard. But then again, like just my mentality of me wanting to just get better and get faster. Um, if it wasn't there, maybe I would have all these more like world records, more um, gold medals. I don't know. Um, all I know is that during the Phelps era, we pushed each other and we made the best swimmer out of each other. I want to ask you about a couple notable moments from your career. The first being uh, the 2004 Olympic trials where you qualified for the games for the first time, not only ensuring that you'd be an Olympian for the first time, mm -hmm. but that your dad, a longtime swimming coach, had not only his first ever <laughs> student in the Olympic yeah. Games, but it just so happened to be his son. For me, it was, my goal was always, ever since I was little, it was about 92 Olympic Games. Um, I remember seeing, um, I actually have a cap of him. Uh, he was a Pablo Morales. He was a hunter butterflyer for the U.S. It says, to Ryan, keep on flying. And I just remember being like him. And he's like, that's when I set my goals. I was like, I want to make the Olympic team, but I just don't want to make the Olympic team. I want to get a gold medal. And while getting a gold medal, I want to break a world record. And so growing up, like that was always kind of like that goal. And, um, you know, just all the workouts that my dad had to put me through and to see me grow and to actually see his son not just a swimmer of his, his actual son. Um, I could definitely see my dad being very, very emotional. <laughs> the 2008 Olympic Games, yes. gold medal in the backstroke final. Take me through from the very tail end of that race till you go up to your dad. Oh, shit. I told myself I wasn't gonna get teary-eyed for this, but I remember pushing off the wall, going into the last 50 of the 200 backstroke in Beijing, and I could see out of the, uh, the corner of my eye, like Aaron Pearsall, which is the current world record holder, had it for so many years, um, never lost that race. Uh, I just remember towards the end of the race, we were going neck and neck, stroke for stroke. And I remember like staring up at the ceiling and being, um, if there's anyone up there, help me. And then um, for some, something happened. 
and I got this burst of energy or something and it like someone just slingshotted me to the finish. I just remember touching that wall and seeing lane, um, I think it was like lane five, like Ryan Lochte and it had a big WR, meaning world record. And, and I won. And I just remember leaning back and just looking up and being like, thank you. I finally did it. And to have your dreams come true. I can't, I can't put in words. My dream finally came true. And um, getting down after the national anthem being played, um, I got to, they had like these little bleachers that ran up to like the big ones where my dad was and I gave him a big hug. And I said, Dad, I did it. And he goes, no, 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 you're great. Because for the longest time, he's like, you're good, but you're not great yet. <laughs> he said that to you. Yeah. Until, until you get a gold medal and break a world record. Because... That was my goal, that was my dream. And once it happened, he said, now, now you're great. I want to talk to you about uh, Rio. To what extent do you think the public generally thinks all that was entirely made up by you when in fact, the large majority of it was true? I think everyone in this world, I mean, just knowing what I know now, it's like people just read the headlines. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blaming anything on like social media or media. I'm not doing that because, you know, it was me. I did it. Um, but I wish they did get the full story and they actually had the full story, the facts, which I said, um, I just fabricated just one little part about the gun. Um, not being like pointed at my forehead. Um, it was like four or five feet away at my chest. Um, that's the thing I fabricated, but everything else was true. And it just ran, like it just went, spread like wildfire. Fire. Uh, it was all over. Um, the thing I hate the most is it happened during the Olympics and it took away these other athletes' glory people winning a medal. It took away, from, or being at the Olympics, it took away from that because this took over everything. I got home and I couldn't turn on the TV without seeing my face on there. I shouldn't have went on social media, and I did, and I was reading comments of, I was getting death threats, being like, you need to die, go kill yourself, you're scum. Um, 
just the worst of the worst. Uh, the thing that got me the most was the little kids being like, I used to look up to you and now I don't. That's what got me. But I mean, everything happens for a reason. And my wife now, Kayla, she was my girlfriend at the time. Of only a number of months. Of only a number of months. And she stuck with me through this. And if this didn't happen, who knows? Like, we probably wouldn't have gotten married. or Like, we have no idea. Like, there's only one way to go between in me and Kayla's relationship, and that's up. Because <laughs> basically, we've hit rock bottom. Um, and we've been through the worst of the worst. And, but we stuck together, and she actually, she's my rock. She, she helped me through everything. It got to a point where I was crying, and I was like, Kayla, maybe if I, like, I said, maybe if I, like, go to sleep and not wake up, it will be fine for everyone. Because I just didn't want anyone to be sad or hurt by, by me. Meaning, like, if I went to a remote island and would just disappeared, um, then everyone would be happy. Um, that's what was going through my head. And then Kayla basically kind of slapped me and said, you're, you're better than this. Like, don't let them win. You know what happened. Like, you have to fight this. Like, we're going to fight this together. And I did. And I'm still trying to fight my way back. After that, sponsors just, everyone left me. I had no one. Not one single person except my family. Um, and then a couple of my friends. Everyone else left me. Um, so now it's like, it's hard getting like sponsorships now. What was the 10-month ban for that you received? I think it was for breaking the protocol rule of like being out late. Like it was just the biggest story. So I feel like USA Swimming was like, well, we have to give them a pretty hefty like ban because it's so big. And then you're just finally through that first ban and then you're, you know, completely innocent. Yeah. Getting a, what is it, B12 IV? I with, got a, yep, I with, got a B12 um, IV because. With, with Kayla was Kayla feeling well. was sicker than a dog. Um, my son Caden was sick, and like everyone was getting sick, and I didn't want to get sick. Like, I can't afford to get sick for my family. Like, that will take me out of swimming. Like, I can't do that, so. And you guys post a picture of it on Instagram. Yeah, not this knowing was, anything right. because I was like, oh, I'm getting B12. Not one performance right. enhancement at all. It was vitamins. And um, I guess the USA Swimming wanted to make a, an example out of me again or something. I don't know. So I agreed. I was like, you know what? This is my fault. I, I agree with whatever sentence you guys give me. And they gave me a 14-month ban. Because of, um, I, was, I had too much liquid in an IV, uh, intravenous. Um, it was the amount of liquid. I was like, so wait, you're saying I could have had just regular water? Or I could have had straight steroids? And it would still be the same? 
They're like, yeah, you just can't have that much liquid in an IV. And I'm like, okay. It was actually after that second band that you reached your lowest point, right? Yeah, after that second band, I was like, maybe I should just stop. I mean, what, I went to four Olympics. I have um, 12 Olympic medals. Like, that's a pretty good run. Like, maybe I should just give it up. Um, but no, I, uh, I want to, I want to prove everyone wrong. I, I read a quote where you said you recognized at the time though, if, if you continued down the path you were continuing down, you said you thought you'd end up dead. Oh, 100%. Makes it was you just say that. one bad thing after another that was happening. And I was just in this spiral like staircase going just down, down, down. I was just always getting in trouble. Like I was drinking too much. Um, I was just not, my head wasn't in the right spot. And I was just kicking down doors of hotel rooms or just doing anything stupid. Just not thinking with a clear head. Why did you decide to go to rehab? Because I wanted to. I started realizing, like, this is not me. Like, this is not Ryan Lochte. And I was like, I need to wake up and smell the coffee. Like, I need something. I need to change something. So I did, I checked myself in rehab. And just, like, hearing other people's stories, I was like, man, if I just keep going, like, I'm going to wind up dead. But, yeah, it was a wake-up call. It was just... I was going down the wrong tube. Was there a moment through all of that with regards to Kayla that she most stepped in to make a difference? <laughs> she, she's the one that, like, why I'm here. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, just, like, me being me, like, how happy I am. Yeah. And how much I love my life right now and where I'm at, like, my mental state is just, it's because of her. Because she's stuck by me. I'm, like, still... Sometimes I lay in bed, I'm like, look over, I'm like, how the hell are you still here? Like any person in their right mind, we were only dating for a couple months, and she went through the ringer. She said one of the moments with you where she realized the relationship was different was when you guys were together and you were talking about family and the desire to be <laughs> a great dad. <laughs> That was our very first like kind of conversation we had. It was eight hours long. And I mean, I could say this now because back then it was like, I mean, I was like with a Playboy centerfold. I was like, man, I'm going to get lucky. <laughs> like, that's what I was like thinking. But we and, did. And she said you started messaging her like a, a couple months out of you going to L.A. on Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram. You're going to be, yeah. be there in three weeks, two weeks, yeah. a week, three days. I was very persistent yeah. <laughs> um, because I, man, I was like, I'm going to get lucky. I'm going to like, like, this is awesome. But we, we didn't even hook up. We kissed, but we talked for eight hours straight. And we just, it was a real deep conversation. Like I talked, I was like, I really want a family of my own. Like, and like my biggest fear in life is not being a good father. That is still today my biggest fear. Why? Because I don't want that. And especially now of having a children, 
of my own, that's my biggest fear is not being a good father, not being able to be there for my family. Um, and we had this long talk and after that conversation, um, it was actually a genius on my part. I left, I had this um, black um, bent, um, Breitling watch that was covered in black diamonds, uh, very expensive, and I left it at her place. And so the next day I was like, hey, um, I need to get your, I, need, I left my watch there, because I did it on purpose, um, <laughs> so I could see her again. She held on to it, saw her again, and we started dating and everything. <laughs> uh, so how did you propose? So I, I did a little hit us, like research before this. Um, I found out like what her favorite ring is. And I was like, oh, got it. I just want to make it bigger so everyone knows that she's taken. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we take this helicopter ride. And we went down the coast and up uh, Malibu, and then we landed on top of a mountain. I made sure on top of the mountain there was a picnic table that had roses, um, champagne, everything. I had practiced like this whole speech, everything, nailing it. Like towards the end, right the day before, I was like, I have this speech down. Like I know exactly what I want to say. It's going to be perfect. She sees these roses and everything. She's like. What is this? And I was like, oh, I th um, they just set this up for us, you know, the helicopter place. I thought it'd be nice just to look out, have perfect view. So she goes over by the edge, looks over, and like the mountains, the sun was setting, beautiful. And I get down on one knee, and then like I can't get the ring out of my pocket. <laughs> I cannot. It's like I'm like gonna rip my jacket because I'm like this. And then she turns, she's like, what are you doing? She starts like, knowing she starts crying and like laughing at the same time and like i pull it out and i show her and i was like all that could come out of my mouth was like i love you so much will you marry me <laughs> that's it i totally ruined my entire speech everything and she was like crying like laughing but she didn't say yes yet i'm like is that a yes? And she's like, yes, of course. And so we get in this limo and we go to Nobu. And we had our private like dining section and her family was there. They're like, surprise. And she just busted out crying even more. I was like, yes, I did it. Cause it's so hard to surprise her. Tell about uh, each of your kids. Oh my God, Caden. Caden is more like Kayla. Um, he's, he's so smart. He's a boy, so he likes to get into like mischief, like be a little troublemaker, but he has the biggest heart. Like if we play like, play cry, like I'll be like, oh, he'll come over and start petting me and be like, are you okay, daddy? It's okay, it's okay. And like, he'll give me a hug, he's like, I'm here. <laughs> I'm like, who are you? <laughs> like, who is this little kid? It's amazing. Um, his eating habits are, I'm to blame because I have bad eating habits. He knows what candy is, for sure, because I've given him some candy. <laughs> <laughs> so like, if he doesn't, if mom says no, he'll, be like, he'll come to me, and I'm a little guppy when it comes to my children. He'll be like, Daddy, can I have an Oreo cookie? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then he'll be eating it, and then Kay will be like, what the hell? I just said he can, I was like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, get, I get caught redheaded. Um, 
Caden. That's Caden. Caden is, um, he likes swimming. Um, one of the mo my proudest moments, like, it happened about a couple weeks, like two weeks ago. He's learning how to swim, and we went to the pool, me and him, and we both had goggles on. And he's still getting used to the pool and everything, but he was swimming stroke for stroke with me. And that to me, like, I busted out crying. Like, I was just like, this is the best moment. Like, yeah, you see your son, you like father and son, like play catch. No, it was me and my son swimming together. And it was just like, he got back home. He's like, I swim with daddy. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is the best thing ever. Like, it can't get better than this. Could you see him getting into swimming? You know, I want my, everyone said like, oh, you're gonna push your son into swimming. I'm like, no, I'm gonna, I'm, whatever my son does, I want him to do 100%. Like if he picks soccer, if he picks drawing, like do it 100%, don't half-ass it. Like that's not what you're here to do. Like you're gonna give it your all, all right? But try it, I want you to try it. I want him to try everything. And if he doesn't like it, he doesn't have to do it. Uh, what about your daughter? My daughter, she's more like me. <laughs> like, she's just chill. She's just chill. She's a princess. She's just like, Daddy, come pick me up. Like, I'm not doing this. She's like the bougie type. Her name's Liv, but we call her sissy. But she's more, she's more like me. <laughs> just really chill. Goes with the flow. Finances. Uh, yeah. What did you think of Alex Rodriguez's CNBC episode with you? Now that it's over and everything, I don't have anything to hide. Like, I didn't like it. Like, the perception that he portrayed to my wife was completely wrong. We were looking at cars, because we want, had a trade in her car for the show, whatever, and to cut down our expenses. And um, they made her say, like, oh, this is, no, like, being like, no, this is not, I would never drive this. And that's not her, and it portrayed her as being this superficial person. And that's not her at all. And I was really hurt about that part because I have to protect my family, and I was pissed off about that. I was like, this is bullshit. Like, what are they doing? But there's some things that did help. Like, you know, d doing, um, um, uh, like, apologies, um, you know, like, to my teammates, to... Uh, some people like that, that, I mean, that helped me out because I don't know if I would have the courage to do that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the show, he got me this big deal for this uh, company called FitPlan, but I haven't been paid from them. I was supposed to be getting paid like monthly, but I only been paid three times. And that, that deal started in November of last year. What did they say? When they just say, the um, they say, so it's not fair for us to pay you all this money if you don't get all these subscribers. I just recently reached out even like a month ago to Alex being like, dude, I know you got me like your show was back in the game. There was good and bad things that happened out of this, but back in the game, like I'm not really back in the game. Like I'm still back at where I started before the show started. Like, so what did you really, like, are you going to try to get me another deal or what? And, like, haven't heard anything from them. When the sponsors drop post-Rio, um, collectively, uh, how much money do you think went away? 
Millions. I can't, I can't, I can't put a number on it. Just a is lot. It, I saw money. somewhere maybe like f five to ten. Uh, I was projected to go that way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how how did it affect you? I mean, every sponsor that I had, and I was supposed to collect all these bonuses because of me getting another medal. Everyone just dropped me, so I just lost out on so much money and the negative effect that it had afterwards. I couldn't get any n new sponsors. How much of getting in that trouble was because of sponsors dropping and how much was because of just spending beyond your means predating that? Um, well, predating Rio and everything, it was, I was the type of person, because I loved seeing everyone happy. I love seeing that. And so like, if I go out to a bar, I will buy probably everyone in the bar a shot or something or a drink, just because when I give it to them, that, that one little moment of them smiling, being like, wow, like, thanks. That makes me happy. And that's why I, w I would do all these things. How hard was selling the shoe collection? Uh, we're still trying to do that now. I mean, I still have boxes and boxes in the storage of shoes that are worth like $1,500. And I have like 200. <laughs> So it's like, why? And it's just stupid things that I was doing. What do you think you learned from going through the financial challenges? Um, just on how stupid I am about my financials, like, and how careless I am. Like, I never really looked at it. I never cared to, because I just knew at that time money was just always coming in. And now that I have a family of my own, it's like a big slap on my, uh, across my face. It's like, I could have had all this money saved up and everything for my kids and everything, but I was just careless. We're doing better, way better than I was. Um, but yeah, it's just like, we're still learning. How about the most creative way you ever went about saving to get something special for yourself or somebody else? In high school, um, I had um, an old 19, like 89 um, Chevy Blazer that like um, had a digital dash. It was freaking cool, I thought, but nothing worked. The windows didn't work, AC didn't work, nothing. I saved up my money one summer so I can buy two 12 inch subwoofers and an amp and speakers for my car. And I was able to do that. And after I got them installed, like I actually ended up blowing out the side speakers because of the subs. <laughs> but I was bumping everywhere I went. I was just listening to my songs, my music, Little Wayne was playing nonstop. <laughs> And my dad could just hear me coming down from like a mile away towards the pool for practice. He's like, oh, here comes Ryan. And it's just my car going boom, boom, boom. So I was like, I saved up for that. All right, you talked about being a people pleaser and obviously there's positives and negatives mm -hmm. of, of that, but the, the reality show that you did and then the subsequent lawsuit to get out of it, what can, you tell about just kind of going through that experience? Uh, I mean, the reality TV show that I did um, isn't reality. It wasn't reality at all. Um, 
It was scripted. Like if we did a scene with me and my family or anything, they'd be like, all right, Ryan, so let's, let's do this again, but you say it this way. But I was like, I wouldn't really say it that way. But I hadn't, I was like a deer in the headlight. Like I was like, okay. And so the show portrayed me as like just some person that I'm not. I can't say it was horrible because I did get to meet Little Wayne because of it. <laughs> so I thought that was the best thing ever. <laughs> and I mean, I guess you could say at the end of the day, like, like later on in life, being like, oh, so I can say I had my own reality TV show. I guess that's a checklist, I guess. I don't know. How difficult was getting out of it because, you know, maybe you wanted to get out of it for the right reasons and people that you worked with might have wanted to keep you in it for yeah. their own motivations? Yeah, I mean, it was my agent at the time. I wanted to part ways because I was going, I didn't like the way I, like my image was going and I wanted to leave, and apparently I just listened. Instead of actually reading a contract or anything, I just listened, being what was said about it, and it wasn't true, and said like, oh, you're stuck with me, blah, 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 and so we went, got sued, but we had a settlement for a lot of money. So like for, for another four years, or three, year, three or four years, she was collecting money, and I never even saw her. What do you do with your medals? Outside of the Olympic ones. Oh, outside the Olympic, I was like, the Olympic ones, I think some of them are here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, every medal that I've ever won, I don't have. I've given them away. So back in 2007, when I won a world, uh, broke a world record, um, I gave that medal away. And I give them all the way to fans because that moment like when I when I put that medal around their neck they're like either crying hysterically because they're so excited or they're smiling from ear to ear and I'm like you know what that's why I do this just for that I love that like I this it makes me want to swim and train even harder and get more medals so I can be able to do that and give that spark to someone else. How did an interaction as a kid in an Indianapolis hotel oh. uh, impact your perspective on that? My dad told you that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to say the name of the swimmer. I just don't want to. Mark Spitz? No. No, oh. no, no. no. No, um, I'm not going to say the name, but um, he was a USA swimmer, great USA swimmer, won golds. Um, but I saw him walking uh, past our room, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's him. So I get a piece of paper and pen. It was just me and him in the elevator. I was like, hey, can you sign this for me? And he goes, no. And I immediately was, I was like, in my head, I was like, why? Like, you're not doing anything. Like, can you just sign this for me? Like, please? And like, I was crushed. Like, I looked up to this guy and he said, no, I couldn't. Like, he wouldn't be able to sign it. And I was just, 
my heart was broken, basically. And then I remember saying, I was like, if I ever get in that position, I will never say no. Still to this day, when someone comes up and says, Ryan, can I have an autograph? I'm like, what? <laughs> like, are you serious? Like, me? Why? Me? Like, oh my God, awesome. Like, that's so cool. Like, and I love that. I love that, that people want that. Like, it's so cool. What do you want to do after competitive swimming? I don't know. <laughs> There's so many things I do want to do. Like, I love kids. Um, so I love, like, one of the things that I really want to do is, like, you know those m music tours that you see, like those big buses? Sure. So I want to have that, but for swimming. Like, uh, a tour bus, for me, that I go to major cities and put on swim clinics and teach kids how to swim. How freaking awesome would that be? That'd be that would, amazing. Like, I would love that. That would be so cool. Do you find the unknown of what you're going to do post-competitive swimming exciting, nerve-wracking? I mean, it's, it's a little bit of both. Will I be depressed? Because swimming is um, a big part of my life. I don't know. I don't know what the unknown. I don't know. Um, but I am excited because new adventure, a new journey, a new life. Like, what's going to happen? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, COVID. Uh, how's it impacted your life? I hate to say this because, like, this is huge. Like, and it's affecting so many people around the world. And I hate that because it's just one bad thing after another that you hear on TV that's happening to people, which I don't want. But I'm loving it being... Um, quarantine because I spend so much time with my family now. I go to swim practice, I come home, and I'm at home with my kids and my wife. And we just, we're getting closer, like, as a family. And I love that so much, and I can spend more time with them. I understand your 99-year-old grandma had it. Yes. And it's... If you want to talk about someone that needs credit, she does. She's a hard, she's a tough cookie. She she ain't going down <laughs> without a fight. Um, I mean, yeah, she got it, and she had no symptoms, and she fought it. Ninety nine. If I could live that long, that'd be awesome. Likelihood, you think the twenty twenty one Olympic Games are canceled? Please, come on, don't even put that in my head. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> no, no, no. It just can't. It won't. I'll have my own Olympic Games then <laughs> in my backyard or something. Um, I mean, I really hope it doesn't. But what can you do? It's not in our hands. Like, we have to do what, what everyone else says, and we have to stay safe and, you know, just pray for the best. Like, it's going to work itself out. Um, if it happens, great. Because I'm f***ing ready. <laughs> and if it doesn't, then it doesn't. But I'm not going to give up. I'm still going to go. Like, my goal is to make my fifth Olympics and to get another medal. I'm going to try that. So can we end the interview with uh, you saying the word you tried to trademark? Oh, sh I thought I put that behind me. All right, I can do it. I can do it for you.
I'll give you a good one. I'll, all right. <laughs> this is funny. Ready? Yeah. Chia, chia. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to my chat with Ryan Lochte. To see the 12-time Olympic medalist give me some pointers in the pool and show me around his Gainesville home, go to youtube.com slash Bensinger. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Graham Bensinger, and you can visit GrahamBensinger.com for TV times in your area. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen. This has been the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast.